So we are today uh, completing, finishing this series of Not a Fan. We started uh, several weeks ago as we started this series that is based on a book by Kyle Eidelman uh, titled Not a Fan. And again, just the premise of this is that are we fans of Jesus or deeply committed followers? Because there is a difference. And we see even within scripture that Jesus um, was not all that interested in fans. He, he gathered and attracted large crowds by the miracles that he did and by the teachings that he taught. And, and again, some, uh, there were all kinds of people in these crowds. There were some that were, that were hanging on every word and believed in him and, and, and believed that he was the Messiah. And there were others that were even categorized as enemies in the crowd. Right? And then there was everything in between. Um, but this morning, as we've been walking our way through this series, this morning I want to kind of wrap it all together and kind of put a bow on the series as we, uh, you know, are again now ready to move on to, to a, a new message topic next week. But before we do that, I just first want to say um, thank you guys for, for hanging with me through this series. Because, again, as a pastor, again, I, as, as I'm preparing for this and, and, and working through, realize that this series is really in your face. They, and this series is one that, again, kind of raises the bar and the challenge and, and, and really is a gut check of saying, am I a fan of Jesus or am I something more? Right? As we started all these weeks ago, we started by defining a fan as an enthusiastic admirer. You know, am I a person who, who's, who, again, I'm enthusiastic about Jesus, like I'm excited about who he is, and, and I, I admire the things that he does and accomplishes, and I love hearing the stories, and I love even showing up to church, but, but Jesus invites us to something deeper than just being a fan. Right? Jesus invites us to, to a, a deep, intimate relationship with him and with our creator. Right, we, uh, our theme verse for this series has been Luke 9.23, where Jesus gives this invitation right, to a crowd. As he says, if anybody wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Again, this invitation is open to everyone, but yet Jesus tells us the entire requirements of this deep, intimate relationship from the very beginning. Right? There is no fine print. There's, there's nothing that, that Jesus kind of holds back so that we can, you know, um, get involved. And then, he, and then he tells us the real truth. There's none of that. Jesus tells from the very beginning, if you want to be my follower, right, you can be. Right? The gospel's open to anybody. In fact, Jesus wants us to be his follower. But if you do that, you, you will then give up your own way. Take up your cross on a daily basis. Right? And this will change everything in your life. And again, in this invitation, right, the gospel is free. There, there, it is not by works. The scripture is very clear. Right? Jesus is not telling us we have to earn our salvation. Right? That is not his invitation. In fact, his invitation and says, if you want to be my follower, you can be. It is by grace you are saved. But to truly be my follower means that from that day when you accept me as your Savior then everything changes. That's when we join the journey and our journey starts towards Christ, right? And that journey is a journey of discipleship, right? And of, uh, of following God's leading in our life, right? With this invitation, Jesus brings up the define the relationship conversation. 
Again, that's where we started on week one and not a fan. I want to circle around this morning back to that idea, right? That Jesus asks us to define the relationship we want with him. Again, do, are we going to just be an enthusiastic admirer of him, keep him at a safe distance where it doesn't affect those things in our life, or are we going to dive deep and continue to walk and grow with Christ, to die to ourselves, to take up our cross, and that's a daily decision to journey closer to Christ and be closer to him tomorrow than we are today. And so this morning, again, I want to present the question we started with, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a deeply committed follower? Right, as we open God's word this morning, I want to, again, go back to where we started in John chapter 6. Okay, John chapter 6 is, starts out with the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, last week, again, as Jim was here and shared with us, and as he preached, and again, as I talked with him before, I told him, I said, hey, we're in the middle of this, this series, like, but we're pausing it for a week. And so, uh, again, he's like, do you have anything specific you want me to preach on? And I was like, no, it's, it's, it's between you and God. You can you can do, he's like, he's like, I love it when it's wide open. That's great. And then he comes and he steps up here and he says, today we're going to look. And he says, the feeding of 5,000. I'm like, wow, Lord. Like, that's where we started. You know, that's, that's like the, the, the premise, you know, passage for this series. And again, Jim didn't know that. At least I didn't tell him. Right? And then he comes out and he preaches that. Now, I will tell you is that there are times in my life when certain scriptures or certain stories or, or certain, you know, things just keep popping up all over the place. And that's one of the ways I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us or tries to get our attention, right? And I'll say when a certain story or a certain scripture or a certain concept continues to pop up in your life all over the place, you need to pay attention because God's trying to tell you something, right? And so even again, after last week and hearing Jim preach about feeding the 5,000 from John chapter 6, I again sat down this week and prepping this message and say, Lord, what is it that you need us to get? Right, what is it that we need to understand from this story and from this text? So I invite you to open up with me to John chapter 6. Um, and uh, if you have your own Bible with you, then please open it with me to John chapter 6. If not, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets. And you know, it's on your outline is the page numbers of where you can find uh, these passages in that Bible. So as we open to John chapter 6, I'm starting again at the beginning of the passage. We see the beginning of this chapter is the feeding of the 5,000, one of the most famous miracles of Jesus. And again, Jim gave us a great, vivid description of that miracle last week. And then right following that, the verses right after he feeds this large crowd, um, then Jesus goes off by himself and he prays and he sends the disciples on. And then he, he walks on the water in the middle of the night and catches up with them. And then the next morning, they end up on the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee. They, and, and then, um, that's where I, will, again, want to pick up the story because this feeding of the 5,000 and walking on the water sets up this, this uh, interaction between Jesus and this crowd, right, where he, once again, gives them this fan or follower test and he invites them to something deeper. So I want to pick up the story in John chapter 6, starting at verse 22, okay, where it says, The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized that Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near that place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. And they found him on the other side of the lake and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And so again, we see we're setting the stage of this story. 
right, as this crowd is following Jesus around, and again, they realize that he's gone, I and mean, Jesus is even trying to distance himself a little bit as he, as he talks to his disciples and, and continues his ministry to them, and, and this time he's gone, and then this crowd shows up again, and they ask Jesus this question, right, Jesus, how did you go here? Like, we, we're, we're following you around, we want to be with you, and, and we want, you know, more, more teachings, and, 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 you know, how did you escape, basically, is the question, Right, and then look at Jesus' response, okay, in verses 26 and 27. Okay, where Jesus replies to them, he says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Hey, now, as Jesus responds to them, right, as they come, they're like, Jesus, where, where did you go? How'd you get over here? We want to be with you. And then Jesus kind of looks at them, and I, I can just imagine this, this moment, right, when, when Jesus kind of peers at them, and he says, I tell you the truth. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was looking at Jesus, and I heard that phrase come out of his mouth as he's fixed his eyes on me, I would be a little bit shaken. Right, and, and here he looks at them, and he says, now, I tell you the truth. And then he calls them out right, in this moment. He's like, no, you guys don't really want to know the message. You just want the free food, right? And that's why you're looking for me, because now you're hungry again. I mean, it's, it's, it's a day later, right? And, and they want the all-you-can-eat buffet from Jesus, and he says, guys, you're missing the entire point, right? Because the point is not the free food. In fact, it's not even the miracles. He tells him, he's like, don't be, don't be concerned about all of those things, Right, but focus on the real point. Again, what was the real point? He says to spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Right, he's like, again, the free food, the miracles, all, all the reason you're around, like that's the surface. That's like fan-level stuff. And Jesus is inviting them to go deeper, to go into a, a, a true follower relationship. Right? In fact, Jesus is challenging them with the question, what really matters in your life? What really matters? Right? Is it all these, these, these menial details of miracles and the food and, and, and all these things? Or, or is it what is most important? Because he's inviting them, just as he invites us, to focus on the most important thing. And that is our salvation and our ongoing relationship with God. Right? He says all of those things will figure out themselves. Right? We'll, we can work through that. But I want you to focus on our relationship. Okay? And then as it continues, right, they, they kind of go back and forth a little bit. Right? And again, they, they kind of be talking about, they're like, yeah, well, that's great, Jesus, but we're also hungry. Okay, and like give us some more miracles, and they kind of go back and forth, and they kind of challenge him, and Jesus continues to kind of paint him into a corner until we see that we get to this conclusion in this conversation in verse 35. Okay, in, in John 6, 35, then we get to this point when Jesus looks at them, and he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And again, he gets through all of the fluff of the conversation, and he gets down to brass tacks, and he gets to the end, when, when at the end of the day, he's saying, this is what matters. 
is I am the bread of life. I am the living water. Right? And the true sustenance of your soul does not come from bread and water alone. It comes from me. Okay? And he, again, kind of, this is like the drop the mic moment in this conversation. Right? And Jesus, again, is challenging them and saying, guys, forget about all of this fluff around the edges. Forget about all these options because the, the real option is either you're going to be a deeply committed follower with me or you're not. Okay, because we get to the point Jesus is trying to get us to realize, right, when Jesus is the only thing on the menu, you find out if he's the one that you're really hungry for. If he's the only option, right, then the choice seems very simple. And, and so many times, again, we make our, our life choices and especially our faith choices really convoluted. And we think about all these details. Again, Jesus is trying to get them down to, to the main thing, right? And, and the, the one decision that is the most important decision of their life, are you really hungry for God? Because when he's the only thing on the menu and he's the only choice, it becomes very clear. And again, I don't know about you, if you guys go out a lot. Um, again, we don't eat out a lot as a family just because we have a lot of kids and, and it gets really expensive really fast. And, it, you know, one of the things, like, in our family, again, uh, Maureen and I made, have made it a point that we, we go out on a date on a fairly regular basis. We're not always as great as we should be. But again, our, our boys are always like, how come you guys get to go to all these fancy restaurants and we never get to go? And so we decided again, before um, Claire was born and before we, we start, you know, brought her in our family, it was like, we're going to have one, you know, family date and we're going to go out. And we went and we went to the fancy restaurant. We took them to the Cheesecake Factory. Okay, one of our favorite places to go, and we went there. Now, we were telling them, again, they've never been there before. They hadn't go, and we had told them going in, we're like, guys, you just got to know about the Cheesecake Factory. It's like their menu is like literally a spiral-bound book, right? And, and they have, they have, I mean, you think about it, they got, I mean, they, they, it's, everything is great we've ever had there, but the options are seemingly endless. Again, you want Mexican food? They got it. Seafood? Yep. Steaks? They can do that too. Right, like it, it's, it's huge, and we sat down with them, and you could just see their eyes, like, you know, because I don't think they really believed us, right, until they're looking through the book, and they're like, what do we get? Right, and, and again, we kind of had to work through it, and, and realize when there's all of these options, like I said, it's hard to narrow it down. Right, and so many times in life, we get focused on all of the different options and all the things that we kind of stand between. And yet Jesus here is trying to get this crowd and inviting us as well to narrow it down to what is the most important thing. And he's telling them the most important thing is your relationship with God. Period. Right, and, and that's what you got to decide. But, but when Jesus is the only thing on the menu, right, he's kind of asking, he's like, do you really want this or do you not? Right, because fans just get the cheesecake and this, and they, they bounce all over the menu, right? He's saying, but truly committed followers focus on the most important thing. Okay, and, and when we realize that, right, we, we continue, again, he presents this to them. Okay, and they continue to kind of push back. And again, just like our, our default setting is to kind of push back a little bit on Jesus and be like, I don't know, that's, that's kind of too far. That, that is, that, that's painful to give up that thing. Or the next step in my journey is going to be a hard one. And so we kind of push back. And, and again, they're pushing back on Jesus. And then finally, Jesus is just finally looks at him and be like, what's your decision? 
Okay, and then in verse 66, okay, in John, in this story, as they, uh, they get to the end of this bouncing back and forth, in John 6, 66, it says, at this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. Okay, they get to that point, and again, as Jesus challenges them, they're like, nope, that's too far, Jesus. I like being a fan. Right? I like the free food and all the, the cool miracles. Like, I'll just stay there. Right? And, and they, they left as Jesus challenges them. Right? And then in verse 67, Jesus turns to his disciples right, and says, hey, what about you guys? Are you just here for the free food and the, and the, you know, the, the cool entertainment? But again, he looks at them and says, the same invitation is extended to you. Are you guys going to commit or are you going to walk away too? Because again, he's looking at me, he's like, hey, I'm inviting you to that, but I want to know right now. Right? And then, then see their response in verse 68 and 69 as Simon Peter speaks for them. He says, he says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Again, that is what Jesus is trying to get this crowd to understand, what the disciples and, and us to get down to the core, saying, do we really believe that? That Jesus is the one that brings eternal life, right? That he is the Holy One of God, that he is all that really matters. Is he what we're really hungry for? Okay, and, and as they push back, right, they... they step up and they say yes we're we're gonna we're gonna step up to the line we're, we're gonna do it right you're like you're all that we need jesus and we're gonna give up everything else and, and the truth right again they they were facing the same choice they could leave just like everybody else or they could go deeper with christ right and yet they truly knew jesus right he says notice he said lord to whom else would we go we've we've committed everything to you Right, because when you really know Jesus as Lord, you don't want to leave. Right, even when it gets hard, even when things don't make sense, even when, when the easier road is, is tempting you down that path, we say, no, I'm going to stay on this journey that Jesus put me on because he's truly my Lord. And when you taste and experience who God really is and the power of of the Holy Spirit is unleashed in your life and in your heart, and he starts to transform the way that you think, as, as Paul describes in Romans, then once you truly know him as your Lord, like, you never want to leave him. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that oftentimes in the church, we use this phrase, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Right? Have you ever really thought about that phrase? I mean, again, it just kind of rolls out of our mouth, like, it's just kind of part of Christian culture, but what does that really mean? Right, because if Jesus Christ is truly my Lord and Savior, I mean, it means he, that we understand he's our Savior, right? We know what that means, right? We've received him as our, as our Savior. He died on the cross. He rose again. He paid the price for our sins, right? We are saved by grace. Like, we, he is our Savior, but is he really our Lord? And that's the question that Jesus is challenging them with and us today. Is he really our Lord? Because there's a difference between our Lord and our Savior, Right, for a lot of fans, Jesus is nothing more than a fire insurance policy. Right, they, they've got, they, they, for fans, they, that's the way that you see Jesus. It's like, yes, I've got Jesus, right, I'm saved, he's my savior. And we, we know he's our savior, but, but fans are not willing to make him our Lord. 
Because Lord means that everything I do is focused on him, right? Is the destination of my journey actually Christ? Because if my focus is there and then I start that journey of discipleship and I move closer to him, then that's how he becomes my Lord. Everything gets focused on him. Right? And if you get to that point of your walk and your relationship with Jesus where he truly is your Lord, then you'll never want to leave. And I will tell you is there is nothing um, that separates fans from followers more in this life than when hard times in life come. Right? And in fact, you know, Scripture tells us you will have hard times in this life. Okay, it's not an if, it's a when. And again, you and I have both seen people, if it's not in our own life, that the times that we really find out if we're a fan or a follower is when those hard times come. Okay, because oftentimes it shows whether Jesus is actually your Lord or if he's just your Savior. Because when tragedy hits, it will either bring Jesus closer to you than ever before, or, it will, or you'll push him away. When tragedy hits, Again, we all know that list, right? And it happens to all of us when tragedy hits, right, is when, the, the, again, the truth comes out. Again, I've seen, observed people, when tragedy hits, they get closer to Jesus than they've ever been before, right? Because he's truly their Lord. And then I've also seen, right, when tragedy hits, like they, they start blaming God or they start, you know, just, just as they deal with grief and all these things, they end up walking away. Hey, and nothing will show you more if you're a fan or a follower than how you deal with rough times. Because if you really know him as Lord, then you won't want to leave. And you realize that he's walking with you through those hard times. And one of the most powerful scriptures in, in all of the Bible is John eleven thirty five, 35. The shortest verse in the Bible, right? But it says so much about who God is in his heart. That verse is Jesus wept. Because that's the truth. He cries with us as we walk through those hard times. Right? And if you have that, that deep connection with Jesus, you'll never want to leave. It'll only draw you closer. Because when he's the only thing on the menu, you realize he's the only thing you need. But yet, so many times it pushes us away. Okay, why is that true? Well, um, again, this, it's true because if we don't know the way that we wish, then we don't believe the way we should. Let me say that again. I understand this is kind of a confusing statement. Okay, when we don't know the way we wish, then we don't believe the way that we should. Okay, when we don't know the way we wish. I'll tell you, I was, um, at, again, at the church I was at before in Trail, there was a guy that I had talked with, um, his, the, this couple that, I, again, the, 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 the wife was deeply committed to Christ. She loved God with all her heart. And, and again, her boys were kind of in and out of her youth group and her husband, she prayed for her husband all the time. And I remember talking with this guy and again, there's through some different situations and, and struggles, I ended up being able to talk with him. And again, this guy was a solid fan of Jesus. Okay, and, and I know, again, his, his wife was just so deeply wanted in nothing more than, her, than for her husband to, to truly follow Jesus. I remember sitting down and talking to him. And, and again, he was a very, you know, analytical and, and, and smart man. And he kind of walked through all of these things. And it kind of, we got down to, to the brass tacks of it. And he kind of sat down and he's like, Right, I just, I wish that Jesus would just, I would just know without a doubt that he's real. You know, I was like, but, 
you know, but, but it's received by faith. I mean, you've got to take that step. And, and, and again, they, they had a cabinet at the lake, and they just, they loved to be up there. And he, and he tells me, he's like, this is what I wish. He's like, I love sitting out uh, at our cabin in the morning, and the sun comes up, and the steam comes up off of the water. And, and it's just, it's the most, the, the most breathtaking thing, and I just love that. He's like, I wish that I would just be sitting there that day, and I could just see in the steam that it would just say, Jesus is real, or, uh, you know, whatever. He's like, I just wish that the answer would just come to me in that way. And again, he told me, he's like, I, if that would happen, I just wish that would happen, and I would be all in. Right, and again, I remember sitting back as he tells me that, and I'm like, man, I don't think God's going to do that. Like, but because, again, he didn't know the way he wished, he was not willing to believe the way he should. Right, he put those kind of requirements on God and saying, God, if you do that, then I'm all in. Right, but if you don't, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna help, hold back, and that's exactly what he did. I mean, he held back, right? And how many times do we have that that one thing in the back of our mind, like, and if Jesus would only do this, right, then I'd be all in. I'd never go back, right? And yet we hold on to that, and again, we put that that on top of Jesus, right? And looking for that specific sign or that specific situation. Right, but look, look what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. He says, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Again, he, again Peter's trying to get us to understand, right, that, hey, it, you're not going to necessarily, you know, get it the way you wish, because the truth is, you're just not that powerful. We're not God. And God has, has very clearly given us the way of salvation in his word. Right? And he's inviting us to be a deeply committed follower and saying, I have given you the ways. And he says, you know what, in fact, you will be rewarded if you believe without the, you know, the way you wish coming through. But again, what is the reward? But again, underline the phrase, rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to I wanna experience a glorious, inexpressible joy. That sounds like a pretty good thing. And again, there's been a few times in my life when I've observed other people, and again, you get to that point right, with God where you're just like, I can't even explain it. There's been a few times in my life, again, we get to that point, right, and, and just everything makes sense. You're just like, yeah, this, it's inexpressible by how much God loves me. Again, we get to that point where we have to make that choice. Is Jesus really what I want? Does he truly satisfy? Hey, think about this in your mind as we watch this clip from Kyle Eidelman. Hebrews 9.27 says, Man is destined to die once, and after that to face the judgment. Those are the two guarantees. We will all die and we will all stand before God. When that moment comes to all of us, there's only one question that will really matter, is have you decided to follow Jesus? If I could, I would ask you that question differently because it's very personal. I wish I could come over to your house and knock on your door. 
hopefully I could talk you into letting me come in and sit down for a few minutes. And I would want to sit across the kitchen table from you and look you in the eye and ask you this question. I know that when you hear me ask, have you decided to follow Jesus, many of you quickly nod your head yes and say, yeah, I'm a follower. But why do you say that? Because I'm not asking if your parents were followers. I'm not asking if you've prayed a prayer. I'm not asking if you say grace before meals or if you come to church. I'm not even asking if you believe in Jesus. I am asking, are you a follower of Jesus? Because one day, there are many who say, I am a follower that will stand before God and be declared fans. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. See, we know that Jesus will come again. We know that he already came once, and when he came once, he did exactly as the scripture says, he dealt with our sin. And so our salvation has already been purchased for us. We know that, and yet he will come again. And just as this says, when he comes again, what is he coming to do again? He says he's coming um, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to everyone who is waiting for him. See, as we think about salvation, again, just as we see in this, we don't know the day when he will come again, but we do know his name. Right? His name is Jesus. He came to save us and to, um, to change our lives and to transform us from that moment that we receive him as our Savior and we join the journey and then we continue to move forward in transformation. Again, is Jesus your Lord and your Savior? You see, John 14, 6 tells us that Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Again, on your outline, I encourage you to circle that verse, right? And next to it, write, Savior. Jesus is our Savior. He is the only way, right? And through him, we can be saved. And then, though, not only is our Savior, but he is also called to be our Lord. At least this next verse in John 17, 3, when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this was his last prayer before he goes to the cross. And in that prayer, he says in, in verse 3 in John 17, he defines for us what eternal life really is like, what it really means. He says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Again, what is the way to have eternal life? It's, it's to know God, right? That is a relational term. That is not a, a list of do's and don'ts. It's not, you know, do this and get that. It's not, a, you know, know the right person or, or, or be the best you can be. It's about knowing God, knowing our creator. It, it is about a relationship, not a religion. Again, I encourage you to circle that verse and next to it write, Lord. 
right? Because it takes both of these, right? It takes for him to be our Savior. Jesus is the way. Believe in that. To be our Lord, again, we have to know him. And that's what starts in our journey. After we receive him as our Savior, then we start that process of our faith journey of growing into him being our Lord. And that, that is this ongoing journey. Again, the journey that does not end until we are with him in 100% unhindered presence. Whether that's in heaven or whether that's through through, um, through his second coming, right? We don't know the day when he's going to come, but we do know his name. And we know that he wants to be our Savior and our Lord. Again, it's easy to fall into being a fan and just to sit back and just say, yep, I've got Jesus, he's my Savior, I'm good. But Jesus invites us to more, to be a deeply committed follower, to go deeply into who he is, right? And to grow in our faith every day. And again, I don't know what your journey looks like today, but I hope that you have, one, received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you've never done that, you can do that right now. You can just pray right right where you're at and say, God, I believe in you. I believe you're the way. I confess I'm a sinner. I need your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. Please forgive me my sins. Come into my life and save me. And then you join the journey in that. But then, even if maybe you've known Christ as your Savior for a long time, will you commit to him being your Lord? Right? And that is what's going to move you from being a fan to a follower. And that brings me to my final thought here today, and that is this. That Jesus clearly defines the relationship he wants to have with us. A personal, deep, and growing connection. Are you a follower of Jesus or just a fan? You know, my hope is that this series has challenged you as we've raised the bar of faith and what it means to to, to be in love with Jesus, I hope that you're inspired and encouraged to keep journeying on in your faith, right? And to say, I am not going to be a fan. I'm not going to be a, a, an enthusiastic admirer, but I am going to be a deeply committed follower. And I will make that choice every day. And I hope you will continue to make that choice as you journey forward in Christ. You're more like him tomorrow than you are today as you continue your journey.